Today on Parent Time, we talk TV and what it takes to produce some of our favourite kids shows as we pick the brains of award-winning children's television writer Melanie Alexander in Benny Asking People Questions. When we're at home watching shows such as uh, Hoopla Doopla or La La's Big Live Band or Guess How Much I Love You or even Play School, it's hard to imagine when you're watching things like that that somewhere in the suburbs in a darkened room there is a tortured artist with their hands in their with their head in their hands trying to come up uh, with new ways and new dialogue to amuse and entertain our children. It's hard to believe that that's going on, but it is. There are people at home doing this for us, and today I'm delighted to be joined by uh, one of those people, an award-winning children's television writer and also a lecturer at the Australian Film and Television Radio uh, School on the same subject. I'm here with Melanie Alexander. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, now, before we get too much into what you have done and, and, the, and what you're currently doing, I do want to just go back to you as a, as a maybe a potentially an early teenager lying on the floor of your bedroom looking at pictures of your idols on the wall and things like that, dreaming about what you were going to do when you grew up. Did it ever occur to you at that time that you would spend your life writing programs for under fives? Uh, not at all. <laughs> no. Um, I, I knew that I always loved children and that I, you know, would... I actually thought I was going to have, like, you know, 20 children or something. Um, and that didn't happen. Um, but what happened was a, a career with children, starting off in primary school teaching. Yep. And that led into writing for children's TV. Yeah, right. How did how did being a teacher just like I mean, like literally, did someone just turn up and go, "Oh, while you're here, can you write this for us?" Well, I was a little bit pushy. I had a friend who was who had a he just started up a, a company. Um, that was making interactive CD-ROMs for kids, if you knew that. And he, you know, after I nagged him for a while, he brought me on to write educational games for these yeah, CD-ROMs. Right. So you obviously had, I mean, writing was something that was obviously in you anyway. I mean, you are teaching primary school? I was, but I never saw myself as a writer. In fact, at high school I was, um, yeah, I was more... Wanting to be an actor. Oh, how wrong yeah, was right. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, teaching's pretty close to acting, I imagine, in a way. Um, so, writing CD, you're writing the, the games for the CD-ROM. So, they're obviously interactive games, were they? They were interactive so, games. And then that's, so how did then that, I mean, did they just do particularly well and they just transitioned into... Yeah, they did well and um, the same person that offered me that those jobs in, on a casual mm. basis whilst I was still teaching, um, then became the um, business manager of Euram Gross EMTV. Yep. Yep. And they had a position open for a script coordinator and he asked me if I'd like to do that. Wow. So, so I did. I, I had to take a pay cut. Really? Yeah. But well, I, hang on, I'm sorry. So <laughs> this, is, this, this is obviously uh, a whole other... This is another world away when uh, teachers are taking a pay cut to work in, in television, yeah? Yeah, well, it was a pretty junior position, <laughs> but it was an in. Yeah. And I wanted to do something different, you know. Not that I didn't like teaching, I loved it. But I just, you know, wanted a change. So I, I, I went, went ahead. I kind of was reading a lot of scripts and I thought, I can do this. 
There's a bear in there And a chair as well There are people with games And stories to tell Yeah, then I pitched the story. They loved it. Wow. So that was fantastic, you know. And honestly, it, it hasn't stopped since then for me. Because I also think when you're coming from t- teaching in particular, you have such an instinct with children. You, I mean, teachers in general, you've spent so much time around children. And I think having something happen so successfully so quickly must have been a nice moment to kind of go, yeah, I really, you know, all those, like I do, I know kids. I know what kids are after. I know what they want. I mean, did you feel that at the time or was it more just a, oh, this is pretty cool? It worked. <laughs> well, I think. I think I felt both of those things and, and mostly I, I, I realised for the first time in my life because they then asked me to write more stories that I had a lot of stories in me mm. and I wouldn't have picked that before. I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, sure. Was it a reasonably heavily male-dominated world or was pretty much... Was it a lot of female writers around at the time? At the time, I'm trying to cast my mind back. I think we had a couple of female writers but no... But it, not so much. Oh, right. So it was still quite heavily male-dominated, mm. was it? Has that changed much over the years, do you think? Well, now I work for SLR Productions, yeah. yes. We have a, way more female writers. Well, just oh. a funny anecdote that's uh, with my first story that I pitched successfully to David Evans. What was that show? It was um, Tabaluga. It's, uh, he's very well known in Germany. He's a little green dragon. Anyway, David came back to me and said, look, the Germans like it, but I don't know, you know, this, that, the other. I said, David, it's a chick flick, okay? On Guess How Much I Love You, which we made 72 Episodes. 72? In- oh, actually, 78. 78 episodes. Wow. That, that's not in... Is that over several years or you made, like, that many and then that's we, kind of it for three we seasons? We made 52 episodes in the first season and then 26 in the second season. Wow. So I remember that's sitting huge. in a room... That's a huge amount. ...coming out with 52 ideas. It was quite a difficult show to come up with ideas for because it was all set in the natural world and... Yeah. You couldn't have anything human in there, so you couldn't have a fence or a house or anything like that. So we had a lot of stories about acorns and a lot of stories about playing in the snow and a lot of stories about sticks. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and we just had to be able to... Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, um, at at one point, little nut brown hair caught a snowflake in his hand and it was so beautiful that he wanted to keep it to show big nut brown hair. Yeah, I think I've seen this episode. But, of course, it melted. Yeah. And so the whole episode was about how to freeze a snowflake. Yeah, right, okay. And in the end they couldn't. They, yeah. they, there were several comical ways that they tried to, but um, they ended up, well, Big Nut Brown here encouraged them to jaw the snowflake in the snow. There's one particular thing about that show which I I, um, I was quite drawn to because the, it's Michael Rose in the book, isn't it? Is he right? The book? Sam McBratney wrote the book and Anita Jerem was the illustrator. Um but the book is obviously just about uh, the the child, the nut brown hair, and the dad, and how much they love each other. Mm. And well, it's a it's typical man, so they're trying to compete as to who loves each other the most. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it is just it's a book simply about the father and the son and their love for each other. And it's um it's a really 
Yeah, it's very beautiful. But the thing, when someone had first told me about the show, I did kind of go, "Wow, we're like, what are you doing with it? how? How do you? What do you do with that book? You know, it sort of doesn't." At the time, I was thinking, "How does that lend itself to anything more than just this relationship between the father and the son?" But then, having watched the show, it's it still really feels like it's a it's about that. It's just different. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to really explain it. But even though it's not a hundred percent, like it's the nut brown hair now has extended characters that it interacts with. It still feels like it's fundamentally. I don't know. There's something very, um, and I wished to God there was a better word. But there's something still very loving <laughs> about the show. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a show about love. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty brave to go ahead and make a show about love in yeah. these days. But um, the the rights holders were happy to go with SLR yep. because. We wanted to keep close to the yeah, vision sure. of the book. Um, we did have to expand the world, yep. so to include yeah, some friends and some meadow friends. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we could not have come up with seventy-eight stories. There is a very small amount of stuff a, a dad's going to do with his son. After a while, there's certainly probably not seventy-eight stories in there. Um, but what I learnt from that experience was that you always do have another idea. Yeah, sure. And you have to trust yourself to have another idea. Yeah, sure. Um, it may not come to you at the moment that you want, um, but it will come. Do you have a process to make sure that next idea comes or or do you literally just walk around with a notepad and a pen and just go, bang, there it is, and jot it down? Well, no, I sit down. Um, The first stage would be to sit down and um, just write down all all the random things that I could possibly think about. And then I might go for a swim. Yep. And, um, you know, that's your lateral mind working. So halfway down lap. Eight, I might think, oh, yeah, yeah, little nut around here could do this. But, you know, also I listen to my friends who've got kids talk about the magic that happens, magical moments that they've had with their kids. Um, And I remember that that snowflake story totally Mm. wasn't original, I have to admit. Um, A friend of mine said... (laughs) I'm just going to rewind and edit that bit (laughs) out. Okay, done. His son wanted to freeze a snowflake. Yeah. And... um, no, he wanted to freeze a bubble. Sorry, apologies. My friend's son wanted to freeze a bubble. My friend lives in the UK. Yeah. And he tried so many ways to freeze a bubble, putting it in the freezer. And I thought, well, maybe little nut brown hair wants to freeze yeah. a snowflake. It's gone. The snowflake is gone. Where did it go? <gasps> it must have melted. You'll have to catch another one. Do you kind of consider yourself the early childhood kind of person in the room when you're working on these shows? Like I know Play School, you know, I mean, Play School is just a great example of, a, of a, they, they have, you know, they literally have an early childhood person in the room. So something like, um, guess how much I love you. I mean, do you see yourself as that person or do you still sometimes think to yourself, you know what, it's been a while, I might need to bring someone else in to just make sure this is all, you know, going down the right path? No, I see myself as that person um, uh, with Guess So Much I Love You. The yeah. two people that I was working with on Story yeah. um, both had kids. Yeah. So I can ref- refer to them if I had a question. Sure. Um, but, no, I felt that I I know, I know kids pretty well. I mean, that 14 years that I was teaching was yeah. um, specifically in K-2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's ample. <laughs> 14 years <laughs> is plenty of research. <laughs> Dancing through springtime flowers and rays of summer sun Catching wet snowflakes on your nose 
running through autumn leaves that float from trees on high with a love that is bigger than the sky. Guess how much I love you. Guess how much I love you. Guess how much I love you. Find yourself sort of going, oh, that's a really good article on children and their and you know play or children and music or something or is that kind honestly of... not so much yeah. um i've had all kinds of people try to tell me how different children are now yeah, sure. than they ever okay. were and i um i don't believe that they are yeah. that different um That's... i think they're more tech savvy you know they know how to work the internet and yeah, push sure. the buttons on a computer yep. more than we did but yep. I don't think they're smarter. I don't think they're more developed. I yeah, think, sure. don't think they have particularly different interests. Yeah. That's a really valid point, actually. I mean, it's, the, the, the seems to be the th- main thing, and this is just my opinion, so I'm happy for it to be completely wrong, but, you know, you watch shows from 30, 40 years ago and there's not a great deal of difference in the dialogue and the storylines. All that's really changed is the quality of the animation and potentially the song at the start. In fact, they've just done a rerun of Teletubbies, which they've clearly just done another season of that and it's all new and, you know. But, you know, it is identical to the one that was 10, 10, 15 years ago, I think now, the Teletubbies show. It was a while ago, and I remember when I first watched it going, wow, I, that, that is so different. I, it's a game changer, that one, isn't it? It was thank, a game changer. Thank goodness. Somebody, yeah, thank you for saying that. Television for babies. Yeah. And babies just were fascinated yeah. and then came in the night garden. Yeah. And they're just fascinated by that. Do you watch shows like that and <laughs> do you go, damn it, I wish I'd thought of that? <laughs> no, sometimes now I think, damn it, why can't I come up with a winning... <laughs> with a, um, with a Peppa Pig. Yeah, or a... Um, you know, well, we did actually come up with our latest series that we're making now. What's which, which is that? It's called Lexi and Lottie. Oh yeah, yeah. They're yeah. twin detectives, yep. twin girl detectives. Yep. Yeah, I feel happy about that. One of the shows you worked on was Captain Finn and the Pirate Dinosaurs, mm. and that's from a book as well. Yes. I mean, do you always have to tread? Is there a little? I mean, do you have to tread a bit lightly when you're dealing with the book, or do you buy the rights and then kind of go, "We're going to do this as we want," or? Do you just feel you want to be a bit truer to a book? Um, as I understand it, we buy the rights. And generally, if you treat them respectfully, the, 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 the creators yep. are delighted to work with you. In Captain Flynn and the Pirate Dinosaurs, we sent them every script. And every now and then they get back and go, these are really funny. Thank you. worked on Hoopla Doopla, is that correct? You wrote a little bit on that or not? Yeah, really? I was one of the writers on Hoopla Doopla. Yeah. I did like five scripts on that. Looking at a show like Hoopla Doopla and you're saying there was, there was you wrote five, but how many writers were on that show? Uh, I think there were about eight or ten. Yeah, I wouldn't right. know for sure because they might have brought in new writers later on. And do they have an overall script editor or are you literally all free to submit a script or did it all go through the one person at the um, end? How I does a show you, like that work? John was the script editor. Um, so, yeah, he, um, we had a, a, a bunch of brainstorms mm. to start with where we'd go in and pitch ideas um, to the room. Yep. Um, and then they would say, okay, go ahead with this one, this one, this one, this one and this yeah, one. sure. Or feel free to pitch some more. But I imagine there'd be something quite special sitting with a group of adults and just riffing about what kind of things, particularly a show like Hoopla Doopla with five 
essentially acrobatic people get into crazy scenarios. It's really one of the very best things about the job is because very much of a writer's job is sitting alone in a room in your pyjamas, you know, <laughs> not talking to anyone. Yeah, sure. Um, so when you get, you know, three or four or five writers in a room together and you're shaping a story, it's fantastic, mm. you know. It, the energy in the room is just great and just, you know, observing the other writers' minds and... Mm. And the way they come up with solutions, um, and it's also it's also always just really funny. I mean, writers just yeah, in those people. brainstorming rooms, they just you know just let loose and make every every yeah, joke yeah. they they can, and it's just hilarious. In situations like that, is there kind of like a bit of an unwritten rule that it's kind of people are just free to say anything they want because some of it they everyone accepts might just be rubbish and some of it's just going to be gold and so there's no inhibitions it's just like say whatever you want and get it out there is it I think that's the basic theory yeah yeah that's the basic (laughs) theory you can no there's there's no such thing as a bad idea yeah sure yeah that's definitely the theory yeah Yeah. I've had some shocking ideas uh, (laughs) the theory's probably there but the actuality there's plenty of really bad ideas surprised to see Django in his bedroom his alarm clock was broken so he'd slept in now he was late with his parcel deliveries but you can't you've got a what I find myself doing in in those rooms mm. quite often is saying yeah but what about this or what about if that you know and i just i just need to sorry i just need to say that the broadcasters have this opinion so i find myself yeah, as a person sure. who's got a moderating ideas a bit you know and and why is that is that because you've had the experience and you kind of just know i know the, 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 show. the stage the, the the landscape a bit better and you know what's going to be rejected i've been through the development on the show sure. with the broadcaster so i know what they want Quite often I've written the pilot script, yep. so I know I know what they want and sure. what they don't quite well. When, you, when you're in a situation when you have multiple writers and you obviously ultimately have a script editor over the top that's kind of, I guess, polishing them all to, to feel like a, there's a continuity between episodes. That's me, yeah. And that is you. Okay, is I was, was well. going to yeah. say, because do you, or on the situation where that's not you and you're just purely presenting a script, do you often find there's a massive difference between what you've put down and then when you watch the show and you kind of go... Oh, yeah, I didn't say that, but I can see why that's been sanded over or polished over. I think writers are always shocked when any of their work is changed. Yeah, right, okay. It doesn't matter how long they write for. (laughs) They're usually quite shocked internally. Yeah, of course. If they're professionals, they've learnt to just go, yeah, good. Yeah, that's a much better idea. But I know, I know, because personally this is how it feels. It doesn't matter if you've been writing for 30 years, you still think, oh, yeah, really? I thought that was amazing. You cut that? <laughs> that was solid gold. And you left, are you, you singing? He sings terrible. My thing was amazing. Yeah, I know you think that. You think it for a moment, but then you go, you know what? That's so much better. Thanks for editing yeah. that. You know, yeah, uh, sure. you do the same with notes. And unless you really think a note is going to be detrimental to the script, yeah. you go, yeah, good note. Do you trust your instincts enough now or do you still have someone in your life that you just kind of go, what do you think about this, what do you think about that? Really rely on the opinion of 
a fellow writer with way more experience because um, I just think he's the bomb when it comes to children's mm. TV writing. Um, animation, sorry, animated children's TV. And I used to, you know, want to run things by him a lot. Mm. But I don't any longer do that. I think I've just gotten into the stage where I'm, I'm just going like a train and just doing it. Yeah, sure. And he writes for me now and... Yeah, right. Yeah, so... Well, I guess the son of Prince Charming is bound to be a great jouster. <laughs> the horse does all the work. Chug just has to keep the saddle warm. <laughs> Thanks, it was nothing. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I was awesome! Do you feel there's a vast difference or do you approach it differently if you're writing for live action or if you're writing for animation? There are quite a few differences, yes. One's a talking rabbit and one's a juggling person, for starters. They're probably going to have different dialogue. Yes. So they say that in animation, writing the big print very clearly is important. And it is. Um, because Writing in big print? No, the big print is like the description or the action. Sure. It's everything but the dialogue. Yeah. You have to be really, really clear. Sure. Because someone is going to then take, a, take that and turn it into a storyboard. Mm. Um, so you just need to be really clear about, you know, where everyone is in the room. Yeah. What's in the room. Um, and you have to make – I think you have to make more decisions – as an animation yep. writer than you do as a live action writer. Sure. Um, also, with the dialogue, there's a big difference because animated characters are not such really good actors. They've only got very, you know, a few mouth sure, positions. Sure. You can't expect a lot to come over in the emotion of yeah, what a character yeah. says. So you yeah. can't go, Understand. you know, um, he looks dolefully at... Yeah. his girlfriend and <laughs> considers he can't the, the weight of her words. You cannot write that in animation. Yeah, right, of course. Because it's never going to come I can't imagine you'd write that in Hoopla Dupla either. But Not anyway, really. I get your point, yeah. Yeah, sure. so... Um, you saying that makes me think that dialogue for animation is probably actually tougher, like just purely the dialogue because you're, you're trying to achieve much more... Because you're not relying on the, the, the well, you're not relying as much on the facial expressions or the emotions. So you are relying on very succinct dialogue. You are certainly not relying on facial expressions. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, we do have voice actors that are very good, but mm. yeah, we're not relying yeah, on so any kind of look of the eye or facial expression. Um, you know, even a bodily slump can be can go wrong. Even people often say they roll their eyes. You know, you can't be sure that's going to come across. Well, as a writer. For animation, how important or where do you come in when you are trying to consider the way the character speaks, moves, what it does in a show? When does that get married up to the actual character design and things like that? Because I would ass- I'm guessing, but I assume you have to be quite intimately familiar with how that character looks and moves to be able to translate that into what it, how it might behave on paper. Is that true or am I reading way too much into it? Well, just to give a recent example with um, our detective show, um, 
we, when we went into development with our broadcaster, we wrote two scripts first. Yeah. And then, then we got a designer on board to design the characters. Yeah. Obviously, they work as closely as they can with the scripts, but quite often, you know, a design decision will override something that's in the script. Sure. So you'll have to go back to those, those initial yeah. scripts and change it. Mm. and change what you've got. Um, and it's, it's what we're going through now. We're just starting up, you know, our first few episodes of, of Lexi and Lottie and, you know, design's coming in all the time. Yeah. Now we've got the design of the little mouse, Mozart. You know, yeah. We, yeah. we know how much he can actually do. Yeah, the, right. well, clever people who are animators know how much this yeah, sure. particular drawing can do. Sure. You know, maybe his arms are, are really short. So yeah. in the script we might have him reaching out and picking up an acorn mm. or something like that. But if the design shows his arms are really short, you know, we know he can't do that, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, no, totally. Because yeah. the other thing is it's like obviously your craft, your art is the writing, but then you're also getting someone who's they've got their own individual craft and as well and they're like, going, why animate and you've got me because I'm I have great ideas and this is what I think is a great idea for this character. And like you're saying, obviously, some points you have to say no, sometimes you have to say yes. Because I guess also for as a writer I mean, when you're coming up with a character in your head, I mean, it could quite often look vastly different. Look, it, it often what does. Draws. I have to be honest, it <laughs> often does. I'm often quite shocked. Um. Where's his arms? <laughs> he can't pick up acorns without arms. Acorns and nuts. Mm. Not bad. Not bad at all. Hey. Now, I'll wrap it up, but just before we go, have you. Have you got like a favourite show looking back, something that you've, you've worked on that you're just particularly proud of or just really enjoyed the process? It was absolutely delightful working on a show called Penelope K. By the Way. Now here's a question. Who's the person with the answers to my questions? Penelope K. By the Way. Pronounce the question at the information station. What's it say? Penelope K. Um, I was I worked my 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 fingers to the bone on that. It was just um, it was the first live action series I'd ever script edited yeah. and script produced, and I had to come up with. I was writing five episodes myself, so I was really busy. But the the whole process was so delightful, um, and I must say, you know, working at SLO, I, I'm really proud of what we do because. It's a small team, yeah, but we get on with it, mm. you know, and we just we do we 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 come up with ideas. Mm. Did um, you read a lot? Do you read a lot of kids' books, sort of for inspiration, or do you sort of? Feel I really, books? really did when I was teaching. Yeah, sure. Um, I was really um, a big fan of children's literature, yeah. and honestly, all through my childhood, I had a dad. We didn't have a TV, which is an interesting anecdote. Because my dad wanted us. <laughs> that, do you think that like encouraged the fascination in it? I have no idea. What I what I know is that I would uh, sit in in meetings where everyone would be saying, "Remember this show and remember yeah, that show," right. and I had no idea because yeah. we never had a TV, and I would just sit there and nod and hope nobody asked me any more questions. <laughs> but what my dad did was read to us children's yeah. literature every night, and I think. His idea was to stimulate our imaginations. And, you know, to be honest, I think it might have worked. Sure, yeah, kind of. It's kind of, you know, 
culminated into something productive. As opposed to, you know, watching TV every night. We didn't do that. Isn't so. that interesting? That's a very interesting anecdote, isn't it? Yeah. It led you to want to create television as opposed to just sit and watch a lot of it. On TV uh, and children's television, have you seen much change over the past 15, 20 years? I mean, obviously there's been the introduction of things like there's many more child-dedicated channels for starters. But now you've also got, I mean, with, with the internet, there is just the, the, the choice and the availability is monstrous. Things like Netflix have just, just dropped all these, this content on us. Have you seen a change in terms of, uh, A, the money that's available for children's content? Like, has it increased everyone's interest in children's content or has it kind of imploded and made it a little bit harder to try to get something done? Look, as, as I understand it, and I'm not the person who, who pitches shows to networks mm. and I don't ever deal with budgets, but as I understand it, it's much harder now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we just have to be a lot cleverer about the way we structure a deal and the way also the way we make the show. Yeah. Just a lot cleverer about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because there's certainly less money around now because yeah. of the Netflix and yeah. the internet and all that. Um, Melanie, thanks for talking to me today. Um, thanks. Oh, well, thanks, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye. If you'd like to know more about Melanie and her amazing work, then visit www.slrproductions.com or if you're feeling inspired, go and enrol at the Australian Television and Radio School and be tutored by the master herself. For more Parent Time goodness, visit www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me asking people questions. Wow.